Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. This is Primetime, and I'm Dr. Gina. Top headline that has me fired up today, and I bet it has you fired up today, is from the Financial Times. It says, prosecuting Donald Trump, the question that will royal Biden's first year. The U.S. president could face investigation on a number of fronts when he leaves office. So, for the left, it's not enough to steal the election. They want to destroy President Trump in the process. They are chomping at the bit to be back in control of the DOJ and back in control of the levers of power in D.C. That way, they can halt any investigation into the Bidens and they can launch new investigations into President Trump to distract. They want to see the president in prison. And if they can't send him to prison, they're going to make sure he spends millions of dollars and all of his time defending himself for things that he didn't do. But, if, but do you think that President Trump is their only target? The rabid left will not stop there. Let me assure you, they will go after the Trump family. They will go after everyone who worked in the White House, all of his appointees. They will target the biggest Trump donors, and they have to make sure that no one ever supports an outsider ever again. The left lives for power. They crave it. You can see it in their eyes as they lecture us like we're children. You can see the joy as they talk about mandating masks and vaccines and making you comply and conform to their will. Or as they talk about shutting down businesses that they deem non-essential. You are non-essential to them. And they can barely contain themselves at the thought of forcing everyone to be issued a vaccine ID. So, so, I have a trade for the left. I propose something. I will, despite my best will, I will support everyone getting a vaccine ID if they will support all voters getting a voter ID. What do you think? Now, I think most conservatives would go for that trade. No conservative wants a vaccine ID. No one in their right mind wants a vaccine ID. It's the dumbest idea of all time. But I know that Democrats will never agree to something as logical as voter IDs because, because it threatens their power. They would be exposed. We would see that there isn't really record turnout for Democrat candidates in Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and the other Democrat-dominated inner cities. If there were a national voter ID, their mirage of a Democrat major majority would quickly dissipate. Everybody knows that Biden didn't get 81 million votes. Everyone knows that. They know that. Everyone except Biden, who doesn't know anything right now. That's a joke. And with voter ID, all the dead people registered to vote and all of those suitcases full of ballots would be useless to Democrats. The truth is there are a lot more freedom-loving, hard-working, America-loving patriots out there than you think. Trump supporters far outnumber the leftists out there. But you wouldn't know that by watching the mainstream media. You wouldn't know that by looking at the vote totals in cities where more ballots are counted than there are people registered to vote. You might even think that there's a huge number of Democrats who hate Donald Trump in Atlanta. But all those voters are just a mirage. 
They came out of suitcases in the middle of the night after all the Republican poll workers were sent home for the night and we caught them on tape. With voter ID, could Democrats ever win again? Who knows? But I sure would like to find out. All right, let's head around the world to our hosts and correspondents on the ground where the action is happening. First to Jessica Rivera in Denver, Colorado. Jessica, what do you have for us tonight? Well, Dr. Gina, Attorney General, or Attorney Sidney Powell is building a RICO case against Dominion and Smartmatic voting systems. Powell says she continues to gather evidence into election fraud in the 2020 election. The evidence Powell is gathering is set to be used to build a racketeering case under the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, also known as RICO. Powell says there are four names she has centered her investigation around, and they are former Minister of Communications for Venezuela, Jorge Rodriguez, also a man linked to the terrorist group Hezbollah, Khalil Majid Mazoub, computer programmer Gustavo Reyes Zumeta, and CEO of the elections technology company Smartmatic, whose name is Antonio Mugica. Powell also says she has found that Smartmatic is actually linked to some Dominion voting systems. Take a listen. Designed and developed the Smartmatic and Dominion programs and machines that include a controller module that allows people to log in and manipulate the vote even as it's happening. We now have reams and reams of actual documents from Smartmatic and Dominion, including evidence that they planned and executed all of this. We know that $400 million of money came into Smartmatic from China only a few weeks before the election that there are George Soros connections to the entire endeavor. Lord Malik Brown was part of it, along with the other people from Dominion. Eric Coomers, the person who also holds patents on some of the software and was operating out of the Denver office, I believe. And Dr. Gina, when asked why she continues to gather evidence and file cases, Powell says it's plain and simple for the truth so the American people can understand just how deep government corruption goes and runs and to ultimately save the Republic of America. Wow, thank you so much, Jessica. Always informative to hear from you. Let's head out to Washington, D.C., where Carrie Sheffield has a report on the latest in the fight to stop the steal in Michigan. Carrie. Hey there, Dr. Gina. Yes, let's turn to the state of Michigan. There was some breaking news that we broke here at Just the News about a joint committee of oversight between the House and the Senate on the uh, Michigan legislature. They subpoenaed election evidence. We're talking hard drives, laptops, emails from a Detroit suburb of Livonia and also the city of Detroit. And a state senator there, a Republican, says that election integrity should be a nonpartisan issue. And the... Uh, the subpoena is concerned because a memo had gone out from the Secretary of State of Michigan saying that they should, the counties and the people running the elections should destroy these election materials because of privacy concerns. Now, reportedly, this, uh, this statement of, from the Secretary of State is actually standard operating procedure to destroy these materials because, yes, there are concerns around privacy. This is during normal elections. And so, in fact, Republicans had actually sent these same letters before in the past. What's different? now is that the election is different. So that same Republican who I just quoted, she was a past Secretary of State who had sent out a similar letter in the past when she was Secretary of State saying to destroy the materials. This go-round, as you saw, she said 
matters are different. We can't use the same operating procedures because things have changed. We have lawsuits, we have litigation, we have audits, we have ongoing questions that have not been answered yet about this election, and so we shouldn't be so hasty as we had in the past or followed the past protocol because times are different. Of course, we'll keep you posted on all of this. Now back to you, Dr. Gina. Thanks, Carrie. Now on to Georgia, where John Fredericks has been pounding the pavement and getting the latest on all that's going on in the runoff there. And John, I have to ask you about this tweet from Senate candidate Kelly Loeffler. She tweeted, I will never stop fighting for a real Donald Trump because he has never stopped fighting for us. I like that quote. Uh, John, that little tweet is a big deal. Does that mean she's getting the message from voters there? Because I happen to remember this little rally a Saturday or so ago where that's all we were trying to get her to say from the audience and she wouldn't say it, but now she said it. So what does this mean? It was great progress last night. I was really excited about it. We talked about it on the radio show today that maybe finally uh, Kelly Loeffler was getting the message from Georgia voters that wanted to fight for the president, fight for a fair election. Then she went to vote today and it all unraveled. She goes to vote. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution ambushes her coming out of her voting place. And they asked her, if you go back to the Senate, are you going to vote on January 6th? Are you going to be one of the senators that are going to vote to overturn the election? All she had to say was, yes, based on everything I've seen in Georgia and how hard this president has fought, I'm going to vote with him on January 6th. No question about it. I've seen all the evidence I need to see. That's all she had to say. Instead, yeah. she said, I'm not focused on January 6th. I'm focused on my race on January 5th. I don't have enough information right now. And walked away. So with that statement, she completely undid all the positives she had gotten from last night. In fact, Gina, it made it, Dr. Gina, it made it worse because it looked like the tweet last night was somewhat empty words and disingenuous. And so it, now that tweet last night backfired on her, and uh, it was very frustrating because she was right there. She was in position. All she had to say was, I'm going to vote with the president on January 6th. Done deal. She wins. People get fired up. She wouldn't do it. Okay, but, John, I mean, for those who were sitting on the sidelines anyway, who were saying, I just don't know if I trust these two senators enough, despite the president practically begging Trump supporters, his own supporters, to get out there and vote for these two senators, despite the entire Trump family campaigning, uh, well-respected loyalists to the president, like Senator Blackburn that we had here on the show last night, saying, you've got to do this. Come on, Trump supporters. You've got to do this, whether you like them or not, whether you think they are true Trumpians or not. You've got to do this. Despite all that, there are some Trump supporters that are saying, no way, no how. I'm tired of being stabbed in the back by never Trumpers, I'm not going to do it. Was one tweet gonna make all the difference anyway? I mean, how people, how many people do you think that one tweet was gonna change anyway, even had she said, yes, I'll vote to reverse? Because I just think that those people who had made up their mind had made up their mind. I mean, I don't know. I just think that Trump supporters in particular, after seeing what's going on with Bill Barr, regardless of how you feel about that, I just threw my pin again. I do that all the time on this show. People just kind of duck in here. Um, after I'm Italian a little bit, you know, throw the hands. Um, but, you know, after seeing, you know, all the people that have betrayed the president, trust is not running high among, among true Trump loyalists. Let's just say it that way. 
Well, it's not, but you need to start somewhere because you've only got three more weeks to turn this around. Everybody knows what the stakes are, and we've been imploring these candidates to listen to Trump voters in Georgia and try to respond to them so they can motivate them to get out. Here's what's happening right now. The Zuckerberg organization, Facebook, has given Cap County another $4.5 million to get votes harvested in drop boxes. That money's Good been gosh. wired. They have it. There's another 20 drop boxes. They're doing it again. After two days so of wait, early wait, wait, voting, wait, wait, wait. This is this is in addition, John, to the 20 drop boxes you told us about last night, or this is this is the 20 drop boxes you told us about last night on the show. This is the 20 drop boxes. The additional 4.5 million from Facebook to DeKalb County is to be sure those drop boxes are put in place, all of them, plus the additional 20, and then the votes are collected and harvested. I mean, it's just it's just not putting the drop boxes there. It's you have to go to people's houses, knock on the door, get their ballot, get it in the box. That's the operation that the Democrats have. That goes along with the 80,000 new voters that have registered in three weeks since November 3rd. Now, the, here's okay. the facts that we... Go ahead. I, I want to know, what are the Republicans doing? Nothing. I keep hearing about what the Democrats are doing, but what are the Republicans doing? There should be cameras, John, in every single one of these election Nothing. sites so that they can... Nothing. Why not? Didn't we learn anything because before? The Secretary of State has blocked the Republicans from doing anything that has to do with counting or matching the signatures to these ballots. They've recruited 4,000 people. They're trying to get 1,000 more for... Election Day, but the Secretary of State has barred those poll watchers from uh, checking on any of the signatures when the when the mail-in ballots are open. And here's the issue: in the November 3rd election, there were 1.3 million mail-in ballots in Georgia. We estimate right now on the January 5th election, there's going to be 1.5 million. So that went up 15 percent. 715,000 votes have been cast in two days. 20,000 of those didn't vote November 3rd. So they've already gotten out a quarter of the new people they registered. They estimate that 35% of the votes cast so far are African-American. Uh, the 715 is about 15% down from November 3rd, but it's a very good number. 397,000 are mail-in ballots, 338,000 early voting. So again, now, according, according to my husband, though, John, vote. according to my husband, though, John, those are not legal voters. If they didn't vote before, they can't vote in this election when they registered this late. If you look at Georgia code, if you look at Georgia code, those that didn't vote in the primary um, are not supposed to vote in the in, 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 in that next election. Right. But the way they got around it, the way Raffensperger on this deal he made, the way he got around it is the Loeffler race was not a primary. That was an open seat. So they're running for an open seat. So they combined the two races, and they're allowing these new voters to vote. So they already got 20,000 of them out. This is a very scary prospect. And as I said, 35% of all the voters right now, African-American coming from DeKalb and Fulton counties, so the Democrats have a massive get-out-the-vote machine. The Republicans are doing virtually nothing to stop it. Their hands are tied. Many Republicans feel, Trump voters feel, why bother to get fired up and go vote? 
my vote is just going to get stolen again. It doesn't mean anything. Republicans aren't doing anything. And to, to motivate that base, all Loeffler's got to do is stand up and say, I'm going to fight, and here's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to vote on January 6th. doesn't matter if it's theatrics. I'm going to vote on January yeah. 6th for Trump. She didn't do it. She had the opportunity. She didn't do it. And uh, Purdue and guess, doesn't do yeah. it either. In fact, he, he doesn't even let... Senator Purdue was going to uh, various events. He doesn't even invite the media. So he doesn't want any media scrutiny. I mean, I've never seen... This is a consultant-driven campaign from Washington, D.C. The only person benefiting from this is Carl Rove, making 15% off the top. Other than that, it's a total disaster. And you will never see Carl Rove glorified on this show because I've been watching Carl Rove make millions of dollars putting his face on television on every cable show my whole entire life while our candidates continue to lose. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of others like Carl Rove too, and I'll continue to be outspoken about him. John, I appreciate that you are. Keep up the great work out there. You are our eyes and ears on the ground in Georgia, and we appreciate you. Coming up, Thank you may you not know it from... Us, Dr. Gina. My pleasure. You may not know it from mainstream media news coverage, but the Trump legal team is still working hard to stop the steal. Trump attorney Jenna Ellis up next with the latest updates. Stick around. More Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you right after this. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. And welcome back to Dr. Tina Primetime. Yesterday on the show, I was pretty hard on a friend of mine. I didn't use his name, but I did use him as an example. He asked me a question that horrified me. He said, why hasn't the Trump legal team produced any evidence of vote fraud in court? Well, I want to help my friend without being too, too hard on him. So his identity will remain a secret here on this show. And we have a little help today from my friend from the Trump legal team. Trump attorney Jenna Ellis joins us again to help us answer this question. Uh, Jenna, I told my friend that other than video footage, data analysis, affidavits signed by hundreds of witnesses, statistical impossibilities, whistleblowers, eyewitness testimony, suitcases, full of ballots that came out of nowhere, truckloads full of ballots being taken across state lines. Other than that, and about 20 other examples I could cite, but there's no time for, there's no evidence whatsoever of vote fraud. Um, I, I just want to give you a chance to speak to my friend's assertion that there is no vote fraud. Yeah, well, and one of the things, and you're so right about that, I mean, other than, uh, you know, everything that has come out in the legislative hearings over the past couple weeks, you'd have to be willfully blind to not see that there is so much uh, evidence. And, uh, you know, of course, the goalposts moved, right? Because first it was no evidence. Then the left said, well, there's no evidence of widespread fraud. Then it right. was, oh, well, you know, we just uh, want to, to move forward because the deadline is now passed. You know, so it's just they keep moving the goalposts. And one thing, though, that your friend said was, well, how come we haven't seen any evidence in court? And the reason right. for that is because we've had activist judges, and unfortunately, all the way up to the Supreme Court, the judicial branch has really failed the American people here. 
Not one case from the Trump campaign has been able to get into an evidentiary hearing where we can present testimony of eyewitnesses and evidence and experts and videos and all of these things that would be more than enough to get an indictment on a grand jury in a criminal proceeding. Uh, we have much more than that. And so, uh, and the reason for that, of course, is that judges have been quick to dismiss on procedural technicalities that really are not uh, actually meritorious. And there are things like, well, you should have brought this suit sooner. Well, you know, if you would brought it sooner, then, uh, you know, we would have kicked out for this other reason. And so it's been all procedural reasons that have not uh, really looked at this case on the merits. But thankfully, the Constitution provides that uh, we don't need a judicial order. We just need the states to stand up and do their job. Well, and a lot of evidence also comes out in the discovery process, which comes later, um, which I think is an important part of the court process also. Anyway, Jenna, there is a really great ruling this week out of the Wisconsin Supreme Court. They ruled that the state acted illegally by using the excuse of COVID to ignore voter ID rules. So what happens next in Wisconsin? That state is only a 20,000 vote difference. So now what? Yeah, so I think that this is um, just the next step of showing the state legislature why it's incumbent for them uh, to make sure to call themselves into an electoral session to not have the false result that clearly was uh, not certified according to the accurate winner and to select the slate of delegates uh, that for President Trump because he actually won. If you have every legal vote that counts based not on just this court opinion, but all of the evidence in Wisconsin in the other five states, uh, that's what really needs to happen next. And that's why, uh, Dr. Gina, the GOP slate of delegates in these six states, they uh, voted as well on December 14th. And that now has two competing slates of delegates, which preserves uh, the opportunity to send the correct slate to Congress. And the date of ultimate significance is January 6th, when Congress has to receive the electoral college votes and certify that vote. That's how we get a U.S. president. It's not based on the media. It's not based on uh, you know, any judicial opinion. It's based on when Congress actually certifies the vote of the Electoral College. And Dominion voting machines now being subpoenaed by the legislatures in several swing states. So how hopeful are you about this turn of events? Well, we saw the report that came out of Antrim County, and it was frankly shocking. I mean, to see that um, you know there was a 68% error rate that they said, you know, well, this is just uh, you know clerk error. Well, when it's 68%. Uh, you know, that is just so much higher than the law allows for that any reasonable person could comprehend. And I think, uh, you know, what's happened and, and, and all of uh, the all of the details of that report, which, of course, people can go and read all of those things for themselves, how the law was completely disregarded, how um, there is uh, the ability to connect to Wi-Fi, you know, all of these things that have come out in that report that shows very clearly that each of the states that Dominion voting systems are in, their state legislatures need to subpoena those machines and actually conduct those audits. And a lot of people have been asking, why isn't the Trump campaign doing that? Well, they're not in our possession. And that's incumbent upon the state legislatures to make sure that they subpoena those, they conduct those audits independently. Uh, we all want to make sure that we get to the truth to fairness and to fact-finding. And I think that we're going to see a lot uh, more come out in terms of election integrity. This fight is far from over. The, the issue has always been up being up against the time clock and the courts have tripped you up again and again. Um, is there time to make it so that President Trump remains president for four years? 
Well, we have enough time uh, before January 6th that that's only if the legislative branch doesn't fail the American people. Um, you know, of course, we've seen that the executive branch has been the ones that's disregarded the laws in their states. And then the judicial branch, including the Supreme Court, has failed the American people. They failed the Constitution. And so it's now up to the legislative branch. And they absolutely have time. And so for all of the people, um, including myself, including you, Dr. Gina, who are outraged about uh, the lack of, uh, of government action here to preserve election integrity, to have transparency, to have the truth, just follow the truth where it leads. This isn't about the outcome of the election for one preferred candidate over the other. It's about getting uh, to the accurate legal constitutional result. And if state legislatures are unwilling to do their constitutionally obligated duty, then uh, they need to be recalled. They need to be replaced. Uh, they need to be uh, impeached if that's, you know, whatever is allowed by their state law. Recall petitions are allowed in at least four of the six states. Action needs to be taken to make sure that our uh, people in government do not fail to uh, protect the vote of we the people, and especially to protect the fact that America is a system of rules. We are not a system or a nation of rulers. You and I have talked offline, and uh, I talked on this show last night about a lot of misinformation out there that conservatives want to believe things, so they see them online, they pass them along. There was actually a letter from you that wasn't actually from you uh, that, that we flagged the other night on social media, but there have been other things like that that conservatives wanted to believe, so they pass along. Um, as far as what conservatives can do, though, Jenna, because they want to help, they want to be part of the action. You're busy 24-7, so you probably probably don't even know this feeling, but for conservatives sitting at home right now who don't have a platform and don't have, don't have a thing to do, they want a thing to do, what can they do to best bolster you um, from their computer or from their phone or from uh, their letter writing campaigns? What can they do? That's a great question. And the best thing that they can do is to contact their legislators and make sure uh, to express as a constituent uh, to say that they are demanding that election integrity is preserved. And this should happen across all 50 states. Uh, I testified in my home state yesterday, the Colorado State uh, Legislature, in uh, that audit committee and talked about the importance of election integrity and to say, you know, as we've seen how uh, the, the conduct in these other six states and the administration was just awful, we need to have uh, all state legislatures uh, convene and to contemplate uh, what they can best do to make sure to secure and safeguard election integrity from mail-in ballots to the Dominion voting systems um, investigations to uh, looking at ballot harvesting to looking at practices, how they train their election officials. I mean, there are so many things that the state legislatures need to do. And so uh, definitely call your state legislature also call the state legislatures in the six states that we are fighting for, uh, where we know that there was absolute violation and disregard of the law in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. Call your legislators. And also, as you pointed out, Dr. Gina, you know, don't um, share misinformation just because you happen to prefer it. The left does this all the time. They're the best spreaders of misinformation. They want to get out the lies just because they prefer that narrative. Always make sure that if it's something that you're sharing, that it's from 
a valid, reputable source. Um, so like for me, for example, that statement that went out, make sure it's something that's on my verified social media or Team Trump official. Don't just share something that you see on someone else's uh, you know, social media page and it's a copy paste. Make sure that you're doing your due diligence to make sure that you're not spreading misinformation, even if it's something that you happen to like, because uh, in the day and age where anyone has a platform and can share anything, we want to make sure that in our a view of truth that we are making sure to fact find and to make sure to protect the integrity even of what we share on social media. Absolutely. Uh, final question, Jenna. Tell us what you think of Attorney General Bill Barr's exit right now. Should we read anything into his resignation? Should we expect a change as far as the DOJ investigating the vote fraud? Well, I hope that we expect a change because, frankly, Americans deserve it. Um, you know, I'm not familiar with the new acting attorney general, but I hope that he'll take very seriously, uh, you know, what what allegations and evidence and everything has come forward. And especially with this report out of Antrim County, there is absolutely no reason the Department of Justice, regardless of what administration um, or what uh, what day it is in terms of the constitutional time frame, the DOJ absolutely should get involved. And it's it's horrific to me as an American citizen to see that the DOJ uh, under Bill Barr didn't act and that he was even so uh, reckless to come out and say without interviewing any of our witnesses or looking into any of our evidence, he didn't talk to Mayor Giuliani, he didn't talk to me to say, oh, there's no evidence. Well, that's just uh, that's just absolutely inaccurate. He can't say that without doing the investigation. So I hope that the DOJ will take those steps. But even if they don't, I know that the American people will take the steps uh, that we need. And I know that Team Trump, uh, as the legal team, and President Trump are very committed to election integrity and ultimately upholding our Constitution. It's absolutely false and misinformation that it's our intent to overturn election results. We want to make sure that the election results that are certified are the correct ones, and every American should want that. Jenna, I just know that my audience would want me to express to you our just most heartfelt thanks for your tenacious uh, diligence on all of these matters. We feel like we have so few fighting for us, but we feel like you and Team Trump are just at the forefront of what could possibly save our republic. And so I wanna personally express that for this audience and, uh, and let you know that we're all praying for you and your team. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And we always have to have courageous uh, Americans who will fight the good fight and will uphold uh, liberty for the next generation. We're all in this together. So thank you, Gina. Amen to that. All right. Coming up, now that the vaccines are starting to be administered, are you feeling the pressure to get the COVID vaccine to satisfy your employer or friends? A group of doctors has come out against mandating and pressuring people to get the COVID vaccine. Dr. Simone Gold from America's Frontline Doctors. Up next, stick around. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? 
Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now that the COVID vaccines have been shipped and some are starting to get the shot, can we expect that employers or airlines or restaurants or groups of friends might be pressuring you to get the COVID vaccine? Well, America's frontline doctor says that your medical decisions are private and nobody should feel pressure. Dr. Simone Gold joins us now. Doctor, good to see you. Doctor, you're very concerned about this, aren't you? Yes, we are very concerned. Frontline doctors know that medical decisions need to be made between patients and doctors. And we're especially concerned because we don't consider this a vaccine issue. This is a problem that we're rolling out an experimental biological agent to millions of Americans who are not understanding that this is an experiment. The hard data isn't there. I applaud everyone in Operation Warp Speed for getting it all done as quickly as they did. We're in favor of, of that, but we're not in favor of rolling out to millions of people who suffer almost negligible risk of dying from COVID-19, right? The numbers for under age 20, 99.998% survival, under age 50, 99.97 survival, I think. You cannot give people who have almost no risk of death an experimental treatment. It's, It's unethical. I'm very concerned that airlines, Uber, Lyft, private businesses, schools, employers are going to require an experimental medicine and that Americans are not realizing that if they take the vaccine, they are signing up for an experimental trial. Have most Americans signed up for experimental trials in the past? They have not. You may choose to do so. Of course, that's fine. But there can be no mandate. And, and I mean, that makes sense to most people because, um, you know, you're not advising people not to get the vaccine, but you're saying people should be able to make an advised decision because there are outliers in this. For example, um, people like myself who I've had COVID and I have the antibodies. We don't really know what happens to somebody who has had strong antibodies and, um, you know, then they get the vaccine. That's really playing with your with your immune system in ways that um, we're not sure what the ultimate outcome of that is. I don't know if these kinds of tests were included in some of the uh, very rapid, <laughs> expeditious sorts of uh, uh, testing that they did, correct? Yes, that's an excellent point. So as we know, most cases of COVID-19 are asymptomatic. Many people don't know they've had it. Well, the vaccine manufacturer companies excluded anybody who had COVID from the trials meaning we don't know how people are going to react who get the vaccine and then get exposed to the virus. When I say we don't know, each side, Pfizer and Moderna, they had, I believe, less than 10 people who got the vaccine and then got the virus. You cannot roll out treatment to millions of people when only 10 people have been exposed to a potential bad outcome. You can absolutely have a bad outcome after a vaccine and then being exposed to the virus in the wild. That's been documented many times with prior attempts to make a coronavirus vaccine. This is, this is dangerous stuff. You cannot roll something out like this to millions of people all at once. So, but I want to clarify because you're not necessarily, you're not an anti-vaxxer. I want, always want to clarify that because the media loves to paint you that way and anyone who asks any questions about the vaccine whatsoever that way. So I want to clarify that. Um, but a, another thing that I think that's really important to consider, 
um, about the vaccine is um, what you mentioned, the younger people, the people who aren't at particular risk, even if they do get uh, COVID-19. Um, and, and, and those people, for them to get the vaccine, um, shouldn't they be able to just make their own choice? There are people who just aren't at that much risk, even young children, for example. So people under age 19 have a 99.997% chance of survival. People between 20 and 49 have a 99.97 chance of survival. You know, these types of people should not be taking an experimental vaccine. I want to absolutely say that I'm not anti-vaccination. I got vaccinated every single year working in the emergency department. My children have been vaccinated. What I'm against is mandating experimental biological agents for millions of people. I'm not as concerned about the government doing it. I'm very concerned about private businesses jumping into this and saying you have to be vaccinated to purchase this or participate in this. That is not the role of private enterprise. Every person needs to decide for themselves if they want to be part of a medical trial. This is a medical trial. All right, Dr. Simone Gold, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, now coming up, the left is salivating at the idea of prosecuting Donald Trump if they can remove him from the White House. We're gonna talk about that, so stay right where you are. More of, more of Dr. Gina Primetime coming at you right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. I started this show by mentioning a column in today's Financial Times. The headline says, Prosecuting Donald Trump, the question that will royal Biden's first year. The left is salivating at the idea of prosecuting Donald Trump. The left is not satisfied with stealing the election. They want to destroy Donald Trump. And make no mistake, they are coming for you next. Here with me to discuss our West Coast correspondent, Amanda Head, and social media phenom, David Harris Jr. Welcome to both of you. David, to you first. The left cannot stand for anyone to disagree with them. And it's not just about the power and the money and stealing the election. Now they want to destroy Donald Trump and teach a lesson to any and everyone who supported him that they better never do it again, support an outsider, because they will pay. How far do you think this will go? Well, thank you again for having me, Dr. Gina. It's always a pleasure. You know, I was actually thinking about this last night. I almost had, I could call it a nightmare because it just hit me that the, the left, they they feel emboldened, that it looks like I still don't believe what I'm seeing. I still have faith and believe that uh, enough exposure and, and several lawsuits are going to come to fruition that are going to uh, push everything to the real date, to the next date, constitutionally, January 6th and that we will yes. still have President Donald Trump as our president. That's what I'm hoping and believing for. But if the left is to get their way, uh, they're gonna, they wanna make an example because it's the only way they can continue pushing the lie and trying to make everybody believe it. They've been lying to the American people for years. They've been telling the American people, us, all these negative things about the president 
And to take it one step further, they're just going to try to concrete it by, yes, they'll probably try to prosecute President Donald Trump. Uh, we've seen executives from Facebook, from Google, uh, from Twitter that are getting into, that are part going to the White House, uh, apparently uh, as a part, or meeting with, with uh, Biden as a part of his transition team, that he's tapping him on the shoulder. I don't think that it'll stop with Donald Trump. I think that everybody that's been vocal, that's been loud, that's been in the public eye, that supported this president, they'll want to come after us too. Uh, and then it hit me. It hit me. I believe in a good papa. I believe in a good God. And uh, I know that all things will work together for good. So I'm not worried about it. It's not, uh, uh, it's, it wasn't a nightmare, but that is what they would like, is to be a nightmare for every conservative, every patriot that stood up for this president, and they'd love to, to get Donald Trump's head on a stick digitally uh, or, or criminally. Uh, they, they just don't want to stop. What is it about about this, Amanda? And I, and I agree with you so much, David, that, you know, I, I too believe every single thing you said. It's they who are assuming that, uh, you know, there's this heir apparent, you know, Joe Biden, who is going to be, um, you know, the imperial prince uh, president. Um, no matter what is done, they, they feel like they own the courts. They feel like they own the media. They feel like there's no stopping any of it. And they believe that he will be president. So um, we don't assume that. And we believe in the power of God and all of those things. I agree. But Amanda, what is it about Donald Trump that has turned the Democrat Party from something that was um, was getting fringy, I will admit, was going far left, was turning even somewhat socialist. But punishing your political enemies is a form of fascism. We have taken that, you know, I mean, Donald Trump, really, the left has gone to such extremes in reaction to him. What is it? Well, he's the personification and the embodiment of a threat to their power. You know, we on the left, or we on the right, oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, we talk about virtue signaling. This is revenge signaling. Um, you know, there are a lot of milquetoast conservatives out there who, who criticize us, you know, hair on fire, hell and brimstone conservatives for saying that the left intends to punish us. But if you had any doubt prior to this article that the left intends to come after everyday Trump supporters in a punitive manner, this should pretty much clear it up. Now, when we talked a few weeks ago about AOC's list and the gulags that she would be sending us all to, I offered my services to be the uh, communal decorator and I still stand by that. So for everyone's jail cells, just send me your color scheme and I will work on that right away. <laughs> All right, David, quickly, conservatives can't comprehend destroying their political enemies. It's just not the way we function. We want to win fair and square, and actually we like a good, strong opposition because we like competition. That's what we yes. believe in as in our monetary system, economically, and we believe in it in our political system, too. What makes us so different? You know, I mean, it just it's in the fact that we're conservatives, right? We want to conserve as much as we can in as many different places as we can. I think more morally, we're also on the side of of caution over just uh, disregarding things that, you know, are perceived as, as barbaric. Again, go back to, you know, people that believe in uh, in choice. They believe that it's a choice that somebody should be able to dismember an innocent little baby. And it's like as a conservative and especially as a Christian. Uh, that, no, right. I understand and have respect for life, and I understand that baby doesn't have to be outside the womb in order to be protected. So I really think it's a moral compass that's off in so many individuals on the left uh, that their 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 minds, their hearts, their souls are shaded. Uh, they don't have light, right? The ultimate light light in this world is 
is Yeshua, and they don't have that. So they're operating yeah. from a place, uh, you know, of their own conscious and their own uh, morality, yeah. and uh, and that is void of uh, of any truth that's going to give them the ability to actually make positive, rational decisions. That's why, you know, so many memes and phrases have gone out as far as the left just, you know, they're miserable, liberal. Yeah. We have to leave it there, David. I'm so sorry we're out of time. But especially sad at Christmas time. But I do want to wish both of you a Merry Christmas. Amanda Head, David Harris Jr., thank you both. And now it is time for Doctor's Orders. An article in today's Washington Post by someone named Kyle Griffin asserts that Donald Trump is not wanted in the Palm Beaches, that his neighbors don't want him here at Mar-a-Lago. They cite one neighbor in particular who I guess is performing some sort of petition against him or something like that. Anyway, this is most laughable if you spend about a week in Palm Beach. Donald Trump is literally the godfather de facto of Palm Beach. He's not only a massive draw for tourism and probably the single biggest revenue draw of any other icon in the Palm Beaches. Many make the pilgrimage just to see his Mar-a-Lago, even if they can just peer over the gate and get a glimpse of the rooftop. People also come here just to be among the gilded shops on Worth Avenue and the restaurants that Donald Trump fell in love with when he decided to make Palm Beach his home. There's the church where the president and Melania got married. There's the gas station where he's rumored to have gassed up his cars. There's the roadside area where he's said to have pulled over to help someone with a flat tire and then decided to to buy them a new car and to pay for their children's college. And then there are the overpasses that are frequently lined with hundreds of patriots holding homemade signs, singing the praises of him even when he's not in town. But then there are the days when he is in town. On those days, he's greeted by hundreds or even thousands of patriots on every corner, starting at the airport when his plane lands and lining the streets all the way to Mar-a-Lago, across the bridge and into the property, thanking him for what he has done for America every time he's here. Almost all of these patriots are locals, and let me assure you, they want him to live here. So do most of the businesses who know that he will forever be a massive attraction to the tourism and revenue in Palm Beach. The article cites two reasons why people in Palm Beach supposedly don't want Donald Trump to move to Palm Beach's Mar-a-Lago. The first is that he put up a flagpole that is too tall. Now, this is almost comical when you know the story behind it. We do our show from the Palm Beach area, by the way. I live here. I'm a member at Mar-a-Lago, so I'm quite familiar with the people here and the stories and the history behind Mar-a-Lago. I'm told that when Donald Trump was told that his flagpole could only be so tall that he quickly built a small hill to then put his flagpole on that hill to meet the standard requirements for the height of flagpoles. This is so typical of Donald Trump to find a way to go along with the rules, but in his own way. That way his flagpole could still be seen at the top of the hill from all around the city. And that was his goal, to put a beautiful, illuminated American flag for all to see from around his property. This is literally what the article is complaining about. Let that sink in. They're complaining about a beautiful American flag. The other thing the article even mentions is the only other thing that they even mention is that he refused to comply with the conventions of other private clubs. It doesn't mention particularly what those conventions are, but I can tell you because we here in Palm Beach know other clubs in South Florida did not allow Jews or blacks at the time Donald Trump opened his Mar-a-Lago club. 
That's right, Donald Trump refused to ban Jews and blacks from his club. He wanted to be inclusive and he wanted to allow everyone. Now this is back in the day before he had any aspirations to be president of the United States or to attract voters in any way, just so you know. This is who Donald Trump was even back then. But the media doesn't want you to know this part of the story and that's why this isn't in the Washington Post article. This did annoy many of the town people who at that point were still used to clubs being segregated and everything being done the way it was done. It's no secret that Palm Beach has a snobby side, some of whom may still hold old beliefs that are somewhat bigoted. Donald Trump just isn't one of them. And he was never the person who was going to lower his class, the class of his club, by banning people based on their race or their skin color or their religious beliefs. That's not who Donald Trump was then. That isn't who he is now. And if they don't like it, the Washington Post should have admitted that in this article. This article doesn't mention what those private club conventions were that Donald Trump refused to comply with because that would be flattering to mention. And the fake news doesn't like to mention anything flattering about Donald Trump. Oh, and at the end of the article, it does, by the way, give an afternote that the petitioners in the article don't even actually mind if he buys a home here. They just, for whatever reason, want to cause trouble and say he can't live at Mar-a-Lago in particular. It's not that people in Palm Beach don't want Donald Trump here. They actually do. Someone's just making hay over his living at Mar-a-Lago specifically and it being a private club. The title of the article is totally misleading to try to make it appear as though there's some big outrage in Palm Beach and all Palm Beachers hate Donald Trump. It's laughable, like most fake news stories these days. But now you know the rest of the story, as my first favorite radio talk show host Paul Harvey used to say. So next time you're reading through the fake news, ask yourself what is missing in the story and figure out if there's something missing that it might be the flattering part about Donald Trump because the news media doesn't want you to know the good stuff. And that is your doctor's orders for tonight. Thank you so much for joining me, and thank you to everyone here at your new home for real news, the uncensored and undaunted Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B is up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children, love your God. You go boldly now and live the truth. Good night. Uh, uh.